0: Welcome to C3 Church, the Book It. We believe Jesus Christ gives lives to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today.
1: Hello, Church. Welcome today. We are celebrating Pentecost Sunday. Today we are celebrating the Holy Spirit pouring out upon us as followers of Jesus. And I'm so excited to encourage you um, from the word this morning Today, we, we see the day of Pentecost recorded in the book of Acts in chapter 2. And we see the disciples there together in one place, praying, worshipping, waiting for Holy Spirit to descend. The Holy Spirit comes and fills the people. A large crowd gathers and Peter and the disciples stand up. and Peter, he preaches to the crowd and 3,000 people are saved and added to the church that day. You know, Peter. He was filled with the Spirit of God. He gets up with his Spirit-led words and preaches, and three thousand people are saved. It is—it's crazy to fathom to think about that moment. We see Peter, he who used to use his words previously to deny Jesus. He denied Jesus three times, and now we see Peter, who is forgiven by Jesus empowered by the Spirit of God, using his words to preach boldly. It's incredible. 3,000 people saved, not just because of Peter's great preaching and theology, but because of the power of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit moved through Peter's word to transform the hearts of the people. And this is the power of Spirit-led words. And so be encouraged. If the Holy Spirit can empower Peter, who used his words to deny Jesus, um, the Holy Spirit can empower you and I that we would have spirit-led words that would be a blessing to others in our lives. 2 Corinthians 3.6 says, He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Our spirit-led words gives life to others. We are ministers of the Spirit, agents of God to bring His presence into other people's lives. And we want to be people whose spirit-led words minister to our spouses, our children, our co-workers, our family, our friends, to others we meet. Your words, they matter. The words you speak over your spouse, over your, your children, the, the words you speak over others, they matter. There is power in our words. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Our spirit-led words are like fruit for others to taste and to be satisfied by. In Galatians five. 22 to 23 says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control others taste the spirit that is on us for example the love of god grows in us by the holy spirit this 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 fruit of love and we can love others when it's hard not because of how strong our self-will is, but because of the Holy Spirit enables us to love. Our heart will hate those that have hurt us, but the Holy Spirit enables us to have love for them and forgive those that have hurt us. When we are facing challenging, confusing, why, God, is this happening to me? Circumstances, our heart, it wants to be down, angry, hopeless, But the Holy Spirit enables us to have fruit of faithfulness in God in these times. The Holy Spirit enables us to have fruit of patience and trust in God through difficult times. The Holy Spirit grows joy in us despite the difficulties we are facing. The Holy Spirit gives us peace amongst the storm. The Holy Spirit enables us to not make rash decisions, decisions in difficult times, but to have self-control. The Holy Spirit enables us to speak spirit-led words over ourselves and over others. Others taste the fruit of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control on us. You know, you can taste people with with a negative, down, discouraging, whiny spirit. Have you ever met someone like that? You know, we've we've all been like that at some point in time. You know, their, their words, they're always complaining about this or complaining about that person, blaming someone else for what is going on. And, you know, instead of producing this joyful fruit of the Spirit, their, their words are producing something like, you know, moldy, disgusting fruit, like some fruit that's been left at the bottom of some teenager's bag for the last six months. Um, we don't want to be those people. Let's not be those people. As followers of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, our words are meant to give life to others, that our words, they would be magnetic, that they would be compelling, that they would be irresistible for others to receive. Jesus, he says in Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth. He says here that it's our identity. You are, you are the salt of the earth. It's who we are as followers of Jesus. We are the salt of the earth, adding flavor and bringing out the best in this world. And you may feel like your words are small and insignificant like a grain of salt, but far out. Salt may look small and insignificant, but it makes a huge difference. Have you ever had hot chips without salt? It is terrible. Salt on hot chips is so much better. It is irresistible, um, especially when it's you know peri-peri salt from Nando's. Nothing beats that. It is, it is too good. Colossians 4.6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. You know, for me, I realized that I was really good at articulating and giving uh, negative feedback to others. Um, Has anyone else been there before? You may be good at articulating some negative feedback. Uh, But then my positive feedback for others, it was was really generic. It was just like, oh, good job you're really great. You're so good. And, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of convicted me about this. And, you know, so I humbled myself, which was a a process in itself. And the Holy Spirit really helped me to um, articulate positive feedback. And I found that as I gave room and gave space for Holy Spirit to work in my heart, that I was able to, to speak words of life over others. And, You know, it was because the Holy Spirit transformed my heart. The Holy Spirit empowered me to see the best in others. Matthew 12, 34, at the end of this this verse, it says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The Holy Spirit transformed my heart and empowered me to see the best in others. And I realized that it wasn't me just saying some nice things to others because I had to, because it was the right thing to do, but... Um, Holy Spirit really helped me understand that it's as I speak to others, as I give positive feedback, it's the Holy Spirit ministering through me, fanning to flame the gifts that He's placed in others. It's Holy Spirit ministering through me to lift others up, to, to believe in others, to, to show others how they're, they're valued and that they're cared and loved for, by God. And so our words, they, they, they matter. Proverbs 1624 says, Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. I love that. The world tastes our spirit-led words and tastes and sees that the Lord is good. And for me, Farah, I I am learning how to be a person that speaks with spirit-led words. And you know, I'm not I'm not perfect at this, but uh, I'm growing and I, I, I've started to, to learn and grow and understanding what it means to actually just give space for Holy Spirit to, to lead me and to help me to have this fruit of Spirit-led words for others. You know, I found that to speak Spirit-led words comes from a place of, firstly, not speaking at all. And practically, I, I found um, two kind of ways where I can slow down and allow myself to, to hear from Holy Spirit and to allow Holy Spirit to lead my words. And so I want to share them with you uh, right now. The first one is reflect on the day. Reflect on the day. At the end of every kind of other day or throughout the day, uh, um, I've kind of taken a moment to, to think about and reflect on the day that's been and reflect on the words I've spoken, um, especially you know over myself and over others uh, the words that I've spoken. And at first I ask myself um, if I need to you know, receive from forgiveness from God for some words that I kind of shouldn't have said. And then I think about the kind of missed opportunities where, as well where I've kind of you know, chosen not to, to go, be bold and encourage someone or, or taking the time to, to stop and just to have a conversation uh, with someone and reach out to them. And ask Holy Spirit to enable me to to grow in in being an encourager and and having Spirit-led words. And so that's the first thing is to reflect on the day. And the second thing I've learned how to do is to give space throughout the day. And, you know, the Holy Spirit dwells with us. We are in relationship with Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is with us every moment of every day. And we can we can live such busy, fast-paced lives doing things out of the best of our own abilities, and we can easily forget that God is an ever-present help. And I've personally found it so beneficial to to slow down and enable Holy Spirit to empower me um, with my words. And so, for example, like on my my drive to work, uh, just in the car, just have a moment and allow Holy Spirit to to fill me that every person I come into contact today, that I would speak words that are gracious, that are are life-giving. Or throughout the day when I know I have a hard conversation I need to have with someone, I kind of just take a moment, I take a breath and receive from Holy Spirit, that I wouldn't speak out of a heart filled with frustration or bitterness, but out of a heart of love and truth or before i hop out of the car and, and go into my home after work and see my wife susie and my my little girl Mila, i just take a moment to receive from holy spirit so that my words are, are not kind of full of stress from the day that has been but i walk into my home and my words they're a sound of kindness they're a sound of of patience they're a si- sound of love um, for my family and so for you What's a a practical next step you can take this week to to slow down and give space for Holy Spirit to lead your words? Be encouraged speaking Spirit-led words. It's it's a process. It it, it takes time. Spirit-led words is a a process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. We we live in such a fast-paced culture that wants everything now. And we need to learn to be like Jesus, who was never in a brush. The fruit of the Spirit, it it takes time to grow in us. And so, you know, we cannot give what we have not first received. And so right now we're going to we're going to take a moment to reflect and to to pray and to allow Holy Spirit to to lead us, to empower us and to to lead our words.
0: Hi Church, it is such a joy to chat with you today about Spirit-Led Worship. I want to start with a story. It's 1984, there's a lot of hair crimping going on, a lot of roller skates. And in a house not too far from here at our Hepburn Heights campus, there's a little girl with a desperately broken heart. Spoiler alert, Ah, it's me. So my parents' marriage had broken up and I was just in a world of pain. It was really tough. Thankfully, my amazing mum met Jesus. She had a radical conversion and she used to get us four kids and take us to every possible church service imaginable. And those who grew up in 80s church know what I'm talking about. So we were so fortunate to have Jesus be part of our lives and part of our homes. So somewhere amidst all this, right, I got hold of a tape, an Amy Grant tape. So the album of this, um, the name of this tape was called Age to Age, right? And so what I used to do is I would squirrel away into a corner of our lounge room and lie on the red shag carpet, it was really very classy. And I would get my little tape deck and, you know, put my tape in and I would fast forward to track 10 because track 10 was my favorite. And it was a song called Arms of Love. And the chorus said the words, I have found a place where I can hide. It's safe inside your arms of love. Like a child who's held throughout a storm, you keep me warm in your arms of love. So I would listen to that song over and over, I'd be like, rewind, listen, rewind. And for years actually. And in listening to that song, In lying there on that carpet, I met with Jesus. I met with a father who loved me. It was transforming. My little broken heart met with the Lord. And I learned that as we go to him and we surrender, something can change in our lives. My circumstance didn't change. My dad didn't come back. Things remained as they were, and there were still a lot of hardships to walk through. But I learned that in surrender I could be loved, and I met the Lord. In Romans 8:14, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry Abba Father. I experienced that the spirit of the Lord led me to worship him. I didn't have to be a slave to rejection and fear. I didn't have to be um, living oppressed by those experiences of my childhood. I learned that he was my father. It was a glorious thing because in life we get broken, we get bruised. But when we come into worship and when we surrender, because that's what worship is, it's the yielding of our whole selves to God. All those little breaks and bruises, God gets to realign. So I'm just so thankful that that's what he did for me. I told you that story particularly because what I really wanna hone in on today is that when we come to worship God, we come empty handed. I was this little girl. I had no theology on worship. I hadn't read Psalms. I didn't speak Greek or Hebrew. I still don't, by the way. I came with nothing. But a, but a broken heart and a longing to know my Lord. And that's all God asks for us, of us. That's what he wants. That's what worship is, coming as we are, empty-handed. I want to just mention two beautiful, tender, loving reasons that God invites us to worship, and they might surprise you. The first one is that worship is protective, I work as an art teacher and a chaplain and oversee um, well being at our school. And what I observe all the time is this thing called protective factors. Okay, so protective factors are qualities or attributes that a person has that help them get through hard times. Okay, so for example, with little children, we know that if they come from a home with loving, competent parents, for example, it, that's a protective factor for them. Life will happen, hard times will happen, but it gives them like like a counter to, to the challenges. We can also see where those protective factors are absent. People are, or those children are more vulnerable when hard times hit. Do you know what? Worship is a protective factor for our lives. William Temple, the Archbishop of Canterbury said these words back in 1942. Worship is the submission of all our nature to God. It's the quickening of conscience by his holiness, the nourishment of mind with his truth, the purifying of imagination by his beauty, the opening of the heart to his love and the surrender of will to his purpose. All of this gathered up in adoration. I want to say to you today, without times of dedicated intentional spirit-led worship, that is the surrender of our whole selves to God and the magnification of Him, we become very easily enslaved to the tyranny of our pain, tyranny of a sense of failure. We are overwhelmed by brokenness and sin. God wants to protect us. We are asked to worship. When we marvel at His beauty, we are less fixated on the ugliness of the world. When we sing of His goodness, when we're confronted then with with challenges of evil that we often have to face, it is not the thing that controls us. It is not the thing that defines us. Worship protects our hearts. Worship is also transformational. I want you to imagine yourself as a slab of marble, okay, being formed into a sculpture, a masterpiece at the hands of an artist. Well, what we worship, who we surrender to, will form us. Sculptures are formed with tools that remove unwanted parts. So it's a really sobering thought to consider that what we worship, actually what we surrender to actually has the capacity to chip away at us, to change us, to turn us into something. Friends, the only person I want with a chisel to my life is Jesus Christ. That is the safest and most beautiful place we can be when we are surrendered to a loving God, because make no mistake, we are being formed. We are temples. And whether we like it or not, whether we think we're being formed or not, we are being formed. It's just by who. I only want to be formed into what God wants me to be formed into. My surrender is for for the Lord alone. Because you see, the enemy actually had a vision for me for years. And to this day, I'm not going to lie, he picks up, that mallet of rejection, that little chisel of like failure, insecurity, maybe just a bit of sandpaper every now and then, whatever tool he can get his hands on, and he will have a go at me in trying to craft an identity of despair, of anxiety, of failure, of rejection. It just goes for it. But every time I surrender to my gracious, loving Father, the enemy has to flee. He cannot be present in worship to God. And the Lord becomes the artist of my life over and over again. It's not a one-off. It's over and over again. Romans 12, 2 says, and this is the Apostle Paul, therefore I urge you, not just like, hey, it's a good idea. No, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, His love for you, His intention is to love us. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Oh my goodness, this is holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Who is forming us? Who are we worshipping? What are we becoming? Friends, I want to finish by saying this. Be assured that it might not be evident. You might not see it immediately. You might not even feel it when you come to worship and adore the Lord. But God is always accomplishing His purpose and His will for you. You are always being formed tenderly and masterfully when you are worshipping Him, when you are surrendered to Him. That is what He is always doing. When Yahweh Jesus Christ is heralded as Lord and Savior of your life, His will is being accomplished in your life. So take courage in that. It doesn't always feel it in the moment, but a pathway is being made. You are being formed. You are being restored. You are being made whole. We come to God empty handed. He transforms our rejection into acceptance, our abandonment into sonship, our insecurity into approval, our confusion into purpose, our shame into grace. When we worship Jesus, we are protected. We are transformed and we are free. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We hope you are inspired with this message. For more information about our church and our program, please visit citredubukit.com.